Hello and welcome to another glorious episode of The Journey, where everyone has a story and we are what we need, so we're going to inspire and be inspired. I have another glorious guest this morning. Actually, I don't, y'all don't need to know it's this morning, but I've been feeling it. You could probably hear it in my voice, but we out here in the morning <coughs> doing what we got to do. Brother, you know you, you know the rules to the journey. We don't talk names. You, matter of fact, we even getting down. We ain't even talking locations. Just give a, a little quick preface of who you are, who are you, what you about, and all that good stuff. What's going on? I'm a, I'm a Morehouse man. I'm a firefighter. I'm a father, a brother, a husband, a son. Ooh, that's solid. Nah, that was that was a great fucking explanation. Like, yeah, man. Like, that, that makes sense. You're interesting already. Like. But, yeah, on the journey, man, it's all about your life's journey. And, you know, I feel like you can be inspired by that with anybody, with everybody. Everybody got a story. And hopefully I'm going to be able to get everybody on here to tell their stories in a, in a healthy, productive way. Anything you don't want to talk about, you ain't got to talk about it. I ain't, I ain't asking no prying questions. If you don't want to answer questions, hey, you know, respectfully decline. The the key on respectfully, I don't want to, no brawl to break out. But uh, let's get into it. So where did your journey start? Where were you born? Man, all right. So I was born in Jersey, and my journey started in the PJs. Woo-hoo. Um, Man, and it's... It was a crazy journey. Uh, my mother liked to move. <laughs> she was a professional mover. Mm. So it started in the PJs. I would say we stayed there the longest. And then by the age of eight, we were moving. And we moved. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times before I actually graduated high school. Um one time in the same building, <laughs> apartment to apartment. Oh man, that, that's a rough. Boy, I, it's, it's an it was easy an and a rough move. Right, it was across the hall. It oh, was crazy. Bad. Um, but just the idea that you're gonna move across the hall, but we it was an upgrade in space for sure. Right. Um, but my journey started in the PJs, and a lot of the things that I uh, witnessed, and a lot of the mentality that I carried up until recently is hood related survival related um, mm-hmm. and it got me through got me through a lot in life but when it's time to live it has no place yeah you can't survive and live right right you gotta choose which one or the other right alright man that's a great answer great start so you mentioned you, look, you moved seven times mm-hmm. in your childhood. So pretty much break down your childhood years in the midst of all that moving. Um, well, my mother is a, a super survivalist. <laughs> uh, your mother's a professional mover and a super survivalist. <laughs> professional mover, a super survivalist. Um, not a, that much, well... That's a good way to put it. Both of those, you, you, you eloquently said things without saying things. I, I like your style, brother. Um, me and my father's relationship is, I can't say it's strange, but the nigga moved, he lived close, but still wouldn't see me. Uh. I mean, close enough for me to walk down the street, and I was still only seeing him like five times a year. 
Um, even when I was younger and I lived in the PJs, he lived in, he lived close by in town, close enough to just take a two minute, three minute drive mm. down the, um, the road to come see me and it just didn't happen unless the booty call was involved or it was Christmas morning. Right. Weed was involved. One or the other. So it, it really was visits to see your mom, yeah. not you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh. He claimed me after the first year. Oh, well, that's a, that's a good, I mean, I guess, yeah, you know, how, how does... I got the, two last names. Shit is wild. So how, <laughs> how did that affect you, brother? Like, how that, like, is, like, um, you know, that's your child, how did it affect you as a child, I should say, not as an adult, we'll get into that, but as a child, did that have any of the bearing on your, your life that you knew at the time? Not, well, at the time, I thought it was kind of cool. For the simple fact that when I was born, he wasn't in the hospital. Funny enough, he was, but he wasn't in the hospital there for me. He uh, was in the hospital dealing with, um, was probably there dealing with my grandfather's death at the same time. Um, But my sister's father, my older sister's father, was there. He always wanted a boy. So I became the twinkle in his eye. He took, I took his last name anyway. He signed off on the paperwork. My mom kept his last name from their marriage. So up until, like I said, a year or so, when the DNA test was taken, um, that's when I got my last name changed upon my father's request. But growing up, it was never a... was never on the top of my mind. Like, it wasn't in front of my brain. It was not anything that I thought about consciously. But at right. the same time, it was like, damn, nigga, I look just like you. Yeah, word. Um, word. My mom wasn't messing with anybody else, according to both of their stories. Mm-hmm. But it could have been the thing of somebody else having been, being in his ear, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, and that's the, I think that's the story a lot of people can relate to. Right. Like, I mean, it's sad to say, a lot right. of people could probably relate to that story. You have full, full trust in the person that's, that has your baby, but yet stand when it comes out, when the baby comes out, and you're like, oh no, I don't know about that. Maybe ain't mine. Right. Um. That's... But it was foreshadowing for the simple fact that that's how he moved through my life. It was, one, he treated me like I was some um, side piece, which is weird to say, but that's exactly. Treated a child like a side piece. Treated a child like a side piece, both of them, me and my older sister, and she's got me beat by 27 years. And we share very, very similar stories to how he moved with us. Um, But, um, He had a lot of he had a lot of issues that later came out near the end of his life. Um, I pretty much had like a, a sit down with him, less talk because I don't like you. Yeah, <laughs> no, never did. The grown but man showed up. I don't know up. why I don't like you. Yeah, but that, let's talk about this. That that grown man showed up. Like right. you, you child, you just hey, you going you going through it. Whatever happens, happens. You deal with it all, but as you get older, these things start to hit you a little different. Right. All right, so tell me about your childhood years. Like, 
Matter of fact, I've been liking to go through this. Yeah, elementary experience, middle school experience, and your high school experience. Um, so during elementary, I was I went to one of the at the time one of the rougher schools in Trenton. One of the rougher schools. <laughs> it's just out there, man. It's all good. No worries. Well, I went to one of the rougher schools. Uh, but it was cool. I went there only because they had a GT program, Gifted and Talented program, and I tested into Gifted and Talented out of kindergarten. Out of um, kindergarten? Yeah. Hey, you, you've been smart, man. <laughs> you've been Gifted and Talented. Man, I didn't even know they had uh, tested. You know, I, I, colored, I, I colored a little different than the other kids, and they noticed it. You know what yeah, I'm about to say. I was about to get into that. How you put the test <laughs> in kindergarten going into first grade? Like? I think it's, they, they were offering standardized tests back then for kindergarten. Well, and I think me and a couple other kids tested higher than the average. Yeah. So they gave our parents the option. But the crazy thing is, I was on the opposite side of town. I should have never went to that school as far as zoning, right. because that was only one of three schools with gifted and talented out of like 20 elementary schools. I went there. My dad's address was over there. Um, so that dad, dad, dad did something. Uh, yeah, I guess. Shout out to dad, man. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, um, it was, it was crazy because you got a bunch of kids, and now that I'm older, it, it, it hits me different, but it's crazy. You had a bunch of kids that were bored with the education. We were the worst class in our grade every year that I was there, and we were gifted and talented. We could, we were banned from assemblies stupid stuff we did like I know me personally one older kid I was in like the second grade he was in like the fourth he punched me in my face before we went into school that morning and he played basketball we always got to the same late because we were the badass kids so we had uh <laughs> be ushered in so we sat on the floor next to the sideline my man is backpedaling I tripped him in the middle of the game in the middle of the game I looked at him like oh well you don't you don't hear that often from kids that was in GT. Right. <laughs> That's some right. different stuff um, right there. We used to have uh, journals that we had to take home because of our uh, behavior. As a class, we all got it together eventually. Um, I went from that school. I moved down with me and my mom moved with my grandmother for a year. So I actually the school that my son is going to now. It used to be uh, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade school, which was hybrid back then. Right. Now it's common. Um, and we opened up that school. We were the first kids in that school. Uh, the first fourth grade class. And so that was technically middle school. I guess. We yeah, were there with the middle schoolers. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a culture shock because she, at the time, that area was predominantly white. Mm. And I'm coming from the hood. And that was your first time in a non-black environment. A non-black, yeah. Educational setting, yes, right, every right, day. Right. And it was only one, two, three. It was only five. Um, no, I would say maybe eight kids in our class that were non-white. Right, and how many of them were black? Well, in my grade, not my class. In oh, my grade. okay, gotcha. And out of the black, gotcha. it was four. Oh. So, it, yeah, it wasn't. And the whole area at the time was white. Wasn't in the, the diverse area. It wasn't. The neighborhood hasn't hadn't flipped yet. Um, it's actually really diverse now. I, I, I 
lot of people have moved down in that area. It's very diverse now. But back then, it wasn't uncommon for white kids to be looking at you weird. Like, what mm -hmm. are you doing here? I actually got in like three or four fights that year. Um, just because you was different. Just because I was different. Uh, I witnessed my mom and my grandmother go at it, like literally, bro. Grandmother got caught so, with a two-piece and a biscuit. So this this year, you go to a different school. <laughs> you're dealing with racism for the first time. Not right. sure how to deal. Well, you, you maybe did you know it was racism at the time, or just yes. okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. My god, mom, rest in peace. Made sure we knew what all that was about. Right. All right. So you knew you had an idea what was going on. Then right. you go home. And then you see moms and grandmoms getting in full out bro. Yeah, they didn't get along that whole year. It's the first time I ever heard somebody say, I love you, but I don't like you. And that kind of, that, that played a part later on in life, too. That's like, oh, shit. Some, a lot of foreshadowing going on here. Definitely. Um, a lot of, like, I think everybody's life has that foreshadowing. You just, you just can remember it and realize it was foreshadowing. That's how you. Right. That's how we gonna get into this later. That's how you can tell you went to college, boy. Yeah, you was in GT and you went to college. <laughs> but I honestly, I can say that year. Nah, I'll give it my fifth grade year. That's when my childhood like ended. In fifth grade. And in fifth grade, I can't remember doing anything. Like, I did childish things because I was technically still a child. Right. But more responsibility had been tossed on me after that. Um, the attitude of my household and the uh, expectation had changed. Right. It had changed drastically. Um, so this is after the year your mom lived with your grandma. Mm -hmm. So you kind of had two people in your life at that moment. Then right. that next year, fifth grade, it's just you and moms. It's just me and mom. My mom moved into her best friend's house. Um, that was kind of run down. We got that up and going again. Those two fall out, but at the same time, my mom is going through it financially. She's always going through financially, and that's a piece that affected me later on in life because there was no financial literacy in my life at all, neither one of my parents. Um, both of them made stupid ass decisions. Right. As far as I'm concerned. Um, and they, they love to talk about other people and they financial struggles, which is what black people do. I don't yeah. get how to, I don't get how that's the culture, but uh, hey man, slave syndrome, right? <laughs> so because of that, she started working nights cleaning. And this was when you went to the fifth grade. Yeah, I'm in the fifth grade. So at the time, my sister, 14 years older than me, moves in with us. But she is still very much in a childish mindset as well because her father just spoiled her with whatever. She got whatever she wanted for the most part. Um, that's the only career crackhead I know that uh, gets Benz's and shit. Man, this dude never you, bought a car. Just talking all the time. So your sister's a career crackhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh man. But so, you know how to order drugs. I'd rather you <laughs> be hooked to a crack. I ain't worried about you ODing. Jesus. Well, I guess not. I don't know, man. That's that, that's something only a, a sibling of a crackhead would say. And I don't even feel comfortable saying your sister's a crackhead because it just feels awkward. But man, so we're gonna get into that later because we're still in childhood. So right. you said fifth but grade. But at this point, she had just graduated college maybe two Wait, years ago. See that? See that, y'all? A college graduate. Right. Career crackhead. Crack right. Bang. Stay tuned. <laughs> 
right, 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 right. She went to a party college in Jersey, um, and she lived it up because it took her about six years to graduate. Uh, That's right, man. We ain't gonna, we, we ain't talking about your sister. We'll get into that later. But yeah, but anyway. So, go ahead. So yeah, at this point, it's me and my sister in the house. Um, my mom is out at night. Well, my sister goes out at night too because she's in her mid twenties. Like, yeah, I ain't staying home. It's nine o'clock. It's nah. somewhere for me to be drunk. Yeah, so yeah, you and you about what? so I'm um, at the time I'm like ten, right? Ten, eleven, but I'm by myself pretty much every night, and that was the story from that age up until I graduated high school. Um, so for the next seven, eight years, it was me at night. I myself. Mm. Um, and that, when you saying that now, you mean overnight? Nah, not overnight. My mom would get home around eleven, but at that point, I'm about to, I'm oh, about to go to yeah, bed. Yeah, you gotta be. Like, so, so majority of my day, I wait. I used to wake up in the morning before my mother because school started before she had to get up and go to work. Right. I do my thing. I wake her up. Right. I bounce. Uh-huh. I go to school. It's eight hours. I come home. Um, I'm home for an hour and a half, two hours by myself. My mom come home, start dinner, and bounce. So she's home maybe an hour, hour and a half tops before she has to leave. So she's not there until 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, wherever she went to clean. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I'm sitting there finishing dinner, and my options were is to stay home, clean up, finish dinner, or go work with her. Once again, those are adult options. Those are not kid options. That definitely not. Um, and then what? <clears throat> so if what, what did you choose mostly? Um, it depended. If I yeah. didn't feel like being home, yeah. I would go and work with her. Later on, when I got in high school, like most of middle school, I would I was listening and I was staying home doing what I was supposed to do because I didn't want to get caught up. I'm, right. Uh, my mom worked for law enforcement. They knew my face. But when I got in high school, it was different. It was like, <laughs> nah, um, no, you, oh, okay, you leaving? All right, I'm going to wait about 30, 40 minutes to make sure you don't turn back around because you forgot something. Uh-huh. All right, I'm out. Word. I'm out. Like, um, so that's, man, so that pretty much gets you through your whole high school time. Yeah, but I got, I mean, part of me is because some of my friends at the t- uh, in high school, still cool with some of them now, some of them bang. Some of them, some of them legit losers. Like, we would tell them to your face, yo, bro, you're a whole loser. I you a loser in high school. Like, you don't want to do shit. Right. You don't want to bang. You don't want to get good grades. You don't want to do shit. You just, like, existing. What is the point of you? So, right. because of some of them, it was like, uh, me and my best friend stayed the closest, and we pretty much, like, raised each other. We, we grew each other. We watched each other's mistakes. We, we had We had conversations that... I don't think guys at 14, 15, 16, and 17 would typically have because he was in a very similar situation with his mom. Right. He had, uh, he had what, three brothers and a sister up underneath him. So it was a lot of responsibility just dropped on his shoulders as well. So, and he, neither one of us had that male figure in our life to be like, nah, don't do that. Or you should be doing this. Or who told you to talk like that? Right. And none of those corrective actions. So, um, we bounced off of each other, whereas though we did, well, he was at, he was a jock, and in high school I was involved in a lot of after-school activities, and not just involved, but because I had the time and I didn't want to be bored, I 
I ended up being president or I ran the activity mm-hmm. um, for completely. Twofold reason, man. Just, right. You wanted to be involved and you needed something to do with yourself. Right, because I didn't want to have like idle hands. Mm-hmm. Um, shit. There's only so much fucking porn I could watch in high school. <laughs> like, I had some shit to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't do homework. Yeah, yeah. I didn't do homework. So, uh, like, I gave that up because I was, like, I was going in ace and test. So, yeah, so you were a masturbator in high school. Yeah, I, yeah like every yeah. other uh, hey, hey, <laughs> man, teenage you know. male. Jesus. Hey. Um, get to learn yourself, all right? Yeah, you, you, you learn what you like. <laughs> Let's just say that. Learn what you like. I go with that. <laughs> All right, cool. So, summing up this time in your life, you pretty right. much started off, you ain't have a lot of supervision, and it wasn't because mom didn't care. It was because mom was on, mom had to handle, mom's handle, and she didn't handle the money well. But you right. had, you got to see all that. Right. And. Two jobs, helping her make decisions. I didn't really have a childhood beyond the fifth You said grade. T- fifth grade, 10 yeah. years old. Yeah. Damn. All right, so you said you was a Morehouse man. So let's get yeah. into the, like we use this is a bonus to the, the, that part wow. of your life. Tell me how your childhood affected your time at Morehouse and how was your Morehouse experience? Oh, that's a, I was grown walking into Morehouse. Right. And now I'm, you know, looking back on it, and I'm like, damn, I really wasn't a dope amongst child peers walking into Morehouse for the simple fact that, like, where everybody is afraid to leave campus that first week. I'm hopping on the Marta. I'm exploring the city. Let me get my bearings in the city. I don't right. know this city. I'm like, out yeah, here. Yeah. I'm out here trying to look for a job. A month in, like, uh, yeah, these uh, these late night snacks that I had to eat here. Right. Trash. I need to go buy my own stuff. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> like I wanted to have my own money. I wanted to have my own everything going into it because, like I said, uh, from my freshman year of high school, I had a job. At least one job. Right. My senior year, I had two jobs. Right. Uh, actually, no, I had three. Shit, you was you was used to being. You was pretty much a younger. You was a young adult. Yeah. But really, you was an adult. Um, I had, I was paying for everything in high school, so I didn't understand the concept of waiting on my mom or uh, waiting on other family members to give me money. I'm like, y'all, y'all niggas ain't never do that shit before. Right. So why are you? Oh, we want you to focus on school. Y'all ain't let me do that before. Yeah. Let me rock. Right. I got this. Right. Um, you was used to that independence. You like? Right. Nope, I'm good. Right. It, it was weird. It was like I said. That's the best way to put it. It's just weird not to uh, have that sense of dependency on my on independence. So, um, college years, it was a mixture of still finding out who I am. Unfortunately, when a lot of kids go to college, they're trying to like reinvent themselves. I'm still trying to figure out who the fuck I am. Right, and a lot, um, it's a lot of kids doing that too. Right. Um, it was really sad to see people like re- trying to reinvent themselves because whatever reason, everybody want to be from the hood until it's time to be from the hood. And then now it's like, oh shit, I don't even know what to do. Yeah. I seen people getting robbed down there because for those who don't know, Morehouse is in the hood. Right. Morehouse is in the track. And they told us the first night, hey, look, y'all got to wear a shirt and tie for the first week. So uh, don't leave the campus because you look like a mark. Okay. One dude came back in his drawers. He was from the Midwest, somewhere like Idaho. 
someplace. Yeah. Trying to rap with locals, literally, like, on the corners trying to rap with them. Like, you can't spit with these dudes. Oh, Came man. back in his drawers. Uh, people was getting robbed left and right from the stick-up girls and the stick-up boys because you had to leave the campus to, to go to the library. That was right outside of campus. Right. But in between that, it was projects <laughs> at the time. And Shoot. I remember one time I seen this dude uh, maybe like a hundred feet away, and he was just like on the wall, posted up. So I decided let me cross the damn street because I know what this. I know what time this is. Because you from the hood. I you had know. my headphones in. I never took them out. I just stopped playing my music. And I just kept walking like you know I'm listening to music. And there was two dudes behind me, and they was wearing these fake gold rope chains, and they had the psyche hats back then. That was a thing. Psyche. That's look. I and look. I, it was a it was a fad in Atlanta. They had these psyche hats. Uh, so the dude walks up on them, takes them for their chains, their Jordans, and they uh, whatever shirt, name brand shirts they had. And I'm on the other side of the street. My man looked at me when he when I walked past too, like, okay, I see you. Mm-hmm. Dudes came in the library mad at me. Why didn't you say something? Say something? Y'all ain't see what I saw? Damn, I thought y'all saw what I saw. Yeah, you, you was Damn. ahead of the game. Like, right. nah, dog, I ain't messing with that. Right. Um. So, college was like, it was a mix of, college was a mix of finding me, or at least the beginning of it, finding me, maintaining my independence, um, trying to get good grades, trying to figure out what it is that I want to do because everybody told me to do college mm-hmm. but nobody told me to go in there and you know and find my what it is I want to do in life so my thing is get in and get out right. not Finish. actually learn right not actually uh, learn a craft or anything right so uh it was one. It's probably the best time of my life over the course of four years. I would say, like, I, I I didn't have, I can't compare anything to college. One, the friends and the friendships that I made, and all those friendships were tested because we were all in a foreign place by ourselves, and we all went through something major. Like, I know my roommate wrecked my car, and we lived 20 miles away from the school. I'm like, bro, how are we gonna get to school now? Oh shit. So I'm sleeping on, um, <clears throat> I'm sleeping on floors and couches for like a whole semester, like really depending on my friends right. to get me around, get me to school. When I gotta be at school late, who can pick me up? Um, somebody, you doing that all by yourself? Right. One of my friends, he lost the ability to walk for like a, a solid six months. He was out of school a year. Shit. Um, and it was some freaked, weird stuff he can't I mean he started walking again he never had, he never had a problem getting played ball and everything but he depended on us to finish that semester out getting him school work and stuff like that mm-hmm. <clears throat> parents died and it was just a, a time for all of us to bond and we're still tight to this day right uh there's professors that I will never forget because it was it was work that you can't it was work that you can't like explain to people. It was like, yeah, this professor challenged me this way and that way to think, not to just finish work, but actually to think. When you're in right. high school, middle school, it's it's rote memorization to get through. 
Yeah. Who, who can ever remember the best is going to have the highest GPA. It's as simple as that. But here is they actually challenged you to think, right. apply to real life. Um, and just the atmosphere, man, like a HBCU, if y'all don't know, that is a fraternity slash sorority in and of itself. And right. the atmosphere is bananas. Like, I've been on PWIs. I've been on campus, regular college campuses, Rutgers, Princeton. And it's cool. It's like a commercial every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Starbucks commercials. And uh, but that is like home. That's like family. Like walking to the walking to the cookout. Right. Basically, that's all it is. For you. Every day is the uh, cookout. Uh huh. Um. But yeah, that was life up until the age of what twenty three. Ooh. So that so you found your path at college. Yes. Nice. Alright, so who in your life had the biggest influence up to that point? Or you know what I ain't even gonna say to that point. Who had the biggest influence in your life overall? You said you said a lot already. Um Who has had the largest influence? <laughs> that question get everybody like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like you can just go multiple ways. Yeah. So the largest influence in my life. It's not a positive influence. The largest influence in my life um, after dealing with therapy is probably my father. Mm. For the simple fact, there's so much that I didn't want to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, so much I wanted to experience that he never experienced. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it wasn't that he had a hands-on influence. It was his hands-off influence that if, affected your life. It affects the way I raise my son. Mm-hmm. It affects the way that I deal with my daughter because he had women issues mm-hmm. out of the ass. Um, it affects the way that I travel. Mm-hmm. He wasn't big on that. I mean, out of the two parents, he did travel more than my mother. But he... It was once in every five to ten years he did something like that. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, never really left the United States. Uh, didn't have the education. He didn't apply himself. He didn't chase a dream. He didn't buy a house. He didn't, there's so much he didn't do that I made sure that, like, I in my mind, there was probably a checklist in my mind. I had to do this. I had to do that. I had to do Because he ain't do these things. Right. And I accomplished most of it before, by the age of 30, just because I just wanted to get it out of the way. Right. It was, he it was he was a driving force mm-hmm. for me to do a lot of things. Mm, that's because interesting. Because of his negligence. Yeah, that's it. But I think, I'm sure a lot of people out there can relate to that. Like, I know for me, things I've done in my life, is most of them is dry, dri- I was driven off of negativity. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and again, like you said, through therapy, I realized, like, yo, I, I was hype off proving people wrong. Regardless of who these people may be, that was always my thing. But like you said, that's the biggest influence in your life. That's a that's a big damn deal. That's different. And so, matter of fact, you brought up therapy. Let's let's talk about that. Like you a black man talking about therapy. How has your experience been in therapy? So, therapy, it was like uh, I'm trying to think. It's multiple ways to put it. So what therapy did with me was, one, show me that I wasn't broken. I was just never put together. Mm. But therapy, Mm. what it also did was, it's almost like if you have a scar 
and you somebody reopens a scar. Like it's not even a wound anymore. It's not even healing. It's, mm-hmm. it's completely grown over. It's new skin, tougher skin, and you just open it back up just to see what's in there. Right. Um. Therapy was needed. It is rough, especially if you do the work. If you do the work. If you do the work. Oof. Talk about that. What, what what is the work? Because people we say oh that all the time. Gosh. What is the work for you know? What, in your experience, what's the work? In my experience, the work is like. Breaking myself completely down and just like rebuilding aspects. Mm-hmm. Like I just told, uh, just told my wife, I was like, the, this last season of therapy that I had, um, it was like the therapist told me essentially like you're a bunch of pieces of a puzzle, and now you're in the or you're a person that somebody threw a puzzle at, and you gotta find the pieces. But nobody tells you what to do with the puzzle pieces as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like. You look at them. Am I supposed to put these together? Do I even have all the pieces? And I, half the time, that's what it feels like. Like I don't even have all the pieces to the puzzle somebody gave me. Right. And then it's a picture on the box. So you, then you're just like, all right, well, fuck it. I ain't gonna put this shit together. I'm good with the picture. Yeah. I'll just look at the picture. Yeah, I just do and I imagine, I imagine or uh, fantasize about the process it takes to be this man in this in this picture. I'm a little boy. And it's a puzzle piece of a man that I'm supposed to look like, mm-hmm. which is a whole nother, it's a whole nother uh, mentality that people tell you what you're supposed to grow up to be. And that's something that we're given. People mm-hmm. give us our own puzzle boxes. And this is the man we want you to be as a collective. Mm-hmm. And we go with it. But so I've been working with that seemingly. And then now somebody's like, well, that's a whole process to getting this image or getting this this persona or this character you didn't go through the process you grabbed a piece here that works and a piece there that works for that and a piece here that works for that and you just held on to those pieces mm-hmm. and they got you through life luckily you grabbed the right pieces <laughs> right um, right but therapy is it's a it is a process so the homework is literally if you got to write about it you got to be on the the, the ther- I, i'll say the homework is being honest with yourself Right. And being transparent and not being afraid to admit that, okay, I'm a grown man with fears. Right. I'm a grown man with um, inadequacies. Right. That I never thought I had. I'm a grown man that's um, that's limited by uh, my emotional intelligence. Right. Because the only thing I've ever been taught is to show anger. Regardless, you show anger or happy. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole lot less happy than it is anger. But then you translate all the negative emotions into anger. Right. So everybody can just see anger. So nobody takes advantage of you. And right. that's how you're taught to grow up. Yeah. People gonna take advantage of you. You sit there cry if you're sad. Uh, if you're emotional in any other way other than it happy. So you yeah, have to be happy angry. or angry. <laughs> you have to be angry. Yep. Um mm. so yeah, man. That you said a lot there, brother. Like I know I'm, I've been in therapy. I'm a strong advocate for it for everybody on earth. I think it should be a part of, I think you should have urgent care for therapy. Everybody should just be able to walk in, sit down, talk to somebody, and get their mind hooked up. Because a lot of people, in, in the world we in, man, like physical, hey, you, you can get taken care of. I mean, I don't know if they take care of you all that great, but they take care of you. They give you some medicine, you leave, and it'll hold you down for the moment. But mental, and no, nobody, it's not being taken care of. And it's sad. And I think, you know, hopefully that's what, like, your journey's a big part of that. 
is is your you going through therapy and dealing with the things you dealt with in childhood because that shit stay with you, whether you want to believe it or not. You pretty much the same person you are from a kid to an adult, unless you choose to grow or you forced to grow. Like I, for me, it was I was forced to, and I made some changes. Then I started, I chose to grow, and it's a constant everyday, not a struggle. It's a constant everyday thing. Like I, it's a thing I, I consciously and intentionally try to do, but I think it's not something people talk about. And right. So you being on here talking about it is part of your journey, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Anybody out there that needs some help, Google it, man. The self-help books you can start. To, you can start your journey to self-help right. through reading. Just read a lot, man. And one of the things I found, like I people used to do it to me all the time, and I thought it was weird that random strangers would want to sit there and have a conversation with me. But that's one of the things about therapy. You're having a conversation with somebody that does not know you. And you're being transparent with somebody that does not know you to get something out. So now you have somebody in therapy that does not know you that is trained to ask questions and trained to look outside of the box that you're giving them. Right. So you're telling them, yeah, you know, every day I wake up and I'm angry. And one of the things that I think about during the day is um, uh, that time my dad beat me. So now the therapist is trained to ask questions and go down this rabbit hole and get to the root of that whole memory. Right. Uh, so, yeah, like, I, I really do suggest somebody go talk to a qualified stranger. That's what I call them. A yeah, that's what they is. A qualified stranger to just get to the root of issues with you because those issues eventually affect your relationships in general, all of them. Yeah, everyone. All of them. That's right. All right, kids, spouse, parental, all of them relationships. Right. Agreed 100%, brother. Uh, two more questions, mm-hmm. then we up out of here. What has been your biggest obstacle in life so far? My biggest, my largest obstacle in life has been me. Because I was given no direction I've legit just been diving into everything without a plan and a goal. I dove into college. I didn't even want to go to college. I lost a bet to my mom. I went to college, dove in, no plan, just graduate. And while I was in there, I ain't had no plan to stay in. Mm-hmm. So financially, it's like, how do you do this? So I joined the military. Mm. So, like, I did that until you, it was done. They got did, your ass, boy. Right, I did both until it was done. I got out of military. I had no plan because I had no goal. I had no no direction. So it's like, all right, but I got stuff to do. Yeah. So all right, what next? Right. You know what I'm saying? I dove into firefighting. Right. Like this is crazy. I dove in. I dove into writing just because I have a whole English degree. I gotta use this. Let me have fun with it. I actually enjoy it. Uh, but I nobody, I never took courses towards writing fiction or nonfiction. So now I'm learning the hard way. Right after uh, the fact. Right. Something you could have learned in college. Right. Fit. I dove into. I got. The, I think the best one was diving into uh, parenthood, being a father to my son. That's actually been fun. But that I have a whole plan. I have a whole idea of what that looks like due to my father. Right. But everything else, it was like, oh, all right, it's time to start making plans. Um, I came across this quote, uh, don't ask the world what it needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and do it because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. Um, That's beautiful. That's so beautiful it's like we don't, we don't get 
we don't we're not taught passion. No. In the hood, we're not taught Mm-mm. dreams and chasing a dream and turning a dream into a goal and being passionate about what you're doing and finding your passion. We're not taught that. We're taught, hey, you make sure you get your education so you can get a job so you can retire with a pension. Listen. That's the whole game plan of life for the kids in the Listen, hood. and you lucky if you got that. Right. Like you lucky if you, right. you got that's a job. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah, you made right. it. That's the ultimate goal. Now right. I'm at a point in life where that's like, that's not the old. It's, it's still a part of my life because at this age, I'm about, I got to go get me a pension now. Right. Like, I, ain't nobody tell me to chase stuff back when I was younger. So, right. But now I have a goal. Like, I have things in my mind mapped out of how I want them to go and where I want to be and how much I want to retire making it and where I want to do, where I want to go after I'm done. Right. Um, how young I want to retire. Like, yeah, I want to be retiring in the next 13 years. Making six figures for waking up every right. month. That's where I want to be. Um, but mm. besides that, like, this is this is yeah, you, goal time. This is dream time. Yeah, so my you, biggest obstacle has been me, like right. getting out of my way and learning how to navigate that. I can't even blame that on anybody else or anything else. I've had plenty of opportunities. I, but you, it's, it's a journey. It is. You going through it, and you learning as it you is. go, and, and you know you blessed to be in the position you in because you what you know now you could have learned that shit when you 70, 60, 70 years old yeah. on your deathbed ain't got a chance to take action with it. Right now it's actionable. You can go out here and make things happen, and you're young enough to do it. Right, building a beautiful family, all that good stuff. Like, bro, one of the things I love most about this this journey podcast, man, is we talk. Like the thing we really get into people, because we you said a lot of things. You said you was a Morehouse man. You said you fireman, Coast Guard, all this stuff. But dog, we ain't talking about none of that. We talking about you as the human being, right? The per the being, what you right. are, what you experience. And man, I love that man. Like I, I just had to say that to the people out there. And while I'm saying that, make sure y'all go on in, donate some money to us. So we can get some more good episodes of more people, so I could. Get out and get more people interviewed and all that stuff. But all right, so last question, and then I got one more quick thing. What was your biggest turning point in life, if you had one? Because you know, I, I always feel I ask this question, but I don't feel like I had a turning point. I feel like it was all it was always a a slow lead up to something else. But for you, what was um, your biggest turning point? I don't. I don't think I've had a turning point yet. I think things have been just building um because i haven't like hit a point in my life where i've hit a about face or i've turned around or anything or i've completely changed how i move but um a lot of realization came with me having my son because mm-hmm. i literally went from moving at a thousand miles per hour to being in school in atlanta where it's literally like all I did was wear a Morehouse t-shirt and I was getting numbers. Right. And then the same night, like, you you would have a whole week-long date in one night. Like, you would meet a chick. Yo, what y'all doing? We're going to the club. Go to the club. Hit Waffle House. Eat. Smash. Stay up. Talk. Get, get breakfast in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, all in one night. And that's what I was used to. To now work. Focus on the baby focus on his maturity and raising him mm-hmm. and then um, my father went through 
It's stage four. It was a two-year bout, stage four cancer. Yeah, two-year bout, stage four cancer. And he lost his legs. And this was somebody who was super independent. Um, and a lot of a lot of things came out with him and having conversations that we had. And I actually got a, a genuine apology that, like, broke my heart. Well, it was an apology. Right. Like, how can that apology break your heart? Mm. You know, usually it's the actions that break your heart and the apology make you feel better. Right. Um, and it was a bill. I get out the military. Now I'm like, oh, this is what everybody feels like. This unemployed. Right. With a good resume. Right. Fuck, I'm overqualified for everything. Yeah. Um, And it's like, all right, well, what do I do? I got to start actually planning and like, let us come up with a, a plan for what I want to do in the future. Mm-hmm. And then I meet my wife and then it's, it's just more building. Now I got to really slow down because the way I was still, even after I had my son, I was still single. So I was out there wilding a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so it was, a, it was, it a, was a f- yeah, go ahead. No, I, I was just like a winding <laughs> Yeah. Bro, like it wasn't really one. Mm-mm. You ain't get to a stop sign. You got to turn left and turn right. It kind of yeah. was just, right. just a long, winding road. The whole road. time I'm figuring out stuff about myself. Mm-hmm. The whole time, and I'm sitting there, oh, snap. I didn't even realize I was capable of that, or I didn't realize how much patience I had mm-hmm. until this point, or um, I didn't realize this is what I needed, or this is what I was looking for. Right. Well, this is what normal looks like for other people. Right. You get accustomed to doing crazy shit. That crazy <laughs> yeah. shit is your norm. Right. And then you see other people that look at you like, what the fuck are you doing? That's you crazy yeah. as hell. Yeah. You're like, that's not crazy. What you mean? That's what I'm used to. I take frozen vegetables and put it in my ramen noodles yeah, with right. chopped up hot dogs. Uh-huh. And it was a delicacy in my household. That's not normal, dog. Oh, right. okay. All right, because right. because <laughs> everybody's nothing's normal and everything's normal. Right, exactly. you know what I mean. Depending on which perspective you're coming I from. I mean, normality is a disease because it doesn't really truly exist. It doesn't. It can. But it, they teach you to chase it. Right. And be it. Right. But you know. Yeah, that's real. That's real. So, hey, man. Again, I want to thank you for coming on. And every at the end, every episode gets named by the person that's on that episode so you got four words to come up with the title of this episode brother i'll give you i know it's gonna take a second so i'm gonna give a little segue here yo man thank y'all for listening tuning in appreciate y'all man the journey i know you learned something i know you was inspired like and take heed to what what's going on here man like we're not we get into people we're not talking about titles we're not talking about finances we're not talking about none of that we're talking about people you learn something from other people. You be inspired by these other people. And every we all on a journey. And embrace it. Alright, so <laughs> you got your four words that you're gonna name this episode, brother. Pieces to a puzzle. Pieces to a puzzle. Oh, that, that's a solid one, man. <laughs> he, you ain't he ain't even need that. I, I gave that whole little spill. He knew as soon as I said he got four words. Pieces to a puzzle. Lock <laughs> that thing down. But, oh, man. brother, I appreciate you for coming on. Any last words you want to get to the people out there, man, um, on, on their journey in life? Uh, on their journey in life, one thing I have learned and picked up that I follow and I preach to the kids is uh, philosophies, different ones. I only 
move with uh, the quote that I said before about uh, passion. Mm-hmm. And then I learned a philosophy from Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. Aristotle had this idea of means to an ends. We say it all the time. Oh, that's the means to an ends. This is my means to an ends. But nobody ever really goes into the actual philosophy of it. So we have these things in life that we actually deem joys. That we look at as the ultimate end that will give us pure happiness. And he said they were power, uh, education, wisdom, love, financial security, and I am missing one. Um, But everything to those are just means. Those are the ends. Everything to that is means. But in the hood, we're taught money is the ends. And it's actually just a means to something else. Right. Um, So I chose the means that meant something to me. And I operate within that context. Uh, Also, as far as the young men out there, the five wells, well-read, well-dressed, well-balanced, well-traveled, and well-spoken. You cannot fail in any room if you're, I would say, actively trying to obtain those five wells or mm-hmm. have mastered those five wells. Guys I've seen that have mastered those five wells, they just, they're just different. Mm-hmm. All right? They're different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true. Um, but these are the things that I move with, and this is how I move through life. All right? All right. The journey. See y'all next week. Have a good week. Peace and love.